0: Knows how to play poker. Poker poker. But do you know how to play poker? Well, well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play. Where to play. And how to play better poker. Poker. This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez.
1: And welcome once again, everyone. Big Dave Lemon, Joe Rodriguez another edition of Poker Action Line. forward to another fun show with Joe back in the studio again. Uh, I guess you were here last week. Yeah, I uh, was here last
0: week.
1: Last week week we talked a little bit with uh, Kevin McClellan. Of course, I played in the tournament on Sunday. Um, I had a concert to go to over on the west coast of Florida, so I knew I wasn't going to be able to uh, stay too long, I, as I figured I would get knocked out early. As it <laughs> turns out, that wasn't even close to being a problem. <laughs> what was? Well, I said to myself when I went in, I said, you know, I'll rebuy a few times, and uh, the rebuys were only 20 bucks. so it's $50 to get in, and... Uh, uh, as a sponsor, Kevin me, so that wasn't a problem. So uh, I said, you know, I'm going to put some money. So I, I told him when I left, I said, yeah, you know, I, I think the first guy to plow through a hundred bucks, if they, had, if you have an award for that, I think I would. <laughs> so I bought in several times, but uh, it was fun. Um, I was kind of a little bit shocked when I went to the table that there was some really aggressive players. And I, you know, you go to some of these tournaments, a lot of people don't play poker that much. I think every guy at my table was an experienced player. A lot of them were regulars at Palm Beach Kennel Club. In fact, one of the guys sitting on my left had won the tournament last year. And he had no care in the world about money. So, he was going all in and and got knocked out and would rebuy for 40 bucks and because it,
0: it's for charity,
1: so it is for charity. some of these guys know, "Hey, I'm going to
0: donate 3, 4, 500 whatever whatever amount they've they're going to give to charity." So, if they're going to play a style of poker that doesn't is not probably the way
1: they normally would play let's say if they were buying in for
0: 1500 right. two thousand.
1: but you know like last year I had played and there was uh, there was one woman that I sat next to that was a really good player but uh she was more of a business woman and uh she enjoyed playing and she was really cool and and uh not that these people weren't cool but uh it's just I was just kind of shocked that uh you know, I, I lost the first couple of buy ins because I was going in with marginal hand not going all in, but but, but limping in or I bet I calling. bet you didn't
0: think about this. And again, going back to the charity angle. These guys once again saying that they're going to buy in this kind of money, they probably have already decided if I don't have to buy it in I'm gonna donate you know, I'm gonna donate it to right. charity anyway. Sure. So now by playing that aggressive style, one of two things is gonna happen. Either they're gonna they're gonna knock somebody else out and hope that they keep rebuying, or they're gonna
1: keep doing it. Right.
0: So, I think it was a double edged sword in the sense of hey, I'm gonna try to get money into the tournament one way or the other.
1: Well, I, I think if I had any kind of strategy going in, was I said to myself, listen, you know, you you can buy in, don't be a calling station which is a lot of the times the way I play <laughs> sometimes. So if I get a little more aggressive, then I do better. But, you know, sometimes I just don't want to lose the money. Now, I didn't have a problem coming up with the money for this one. So anyway, I got knocked out a couple times early because I went in with fairly marginal hands, stayed in, and, and uh, you know, then ended up folding with and losing. You only start with 1,500 chips. So, okay. you know, I'd have lose like 300 on the first hand, and then all of a sudden I'd lose 150, and... And uh, so I bought in for a double buy after I got knocked out like three times, I think. <laughs> and so I had 3,000 chips. Uh, I, won a hand, I won a couple hands, one or two hands. I was up around over 4,000 chips. And here's the hand I, that I got crippled on. Okay. Uh, I was probably uh, middle position, and uh, one of the early position guys shoved. Uh, so a couple of folds, then the, a guy, two to my right shoves. Uh, so I have pocket Kings.
0: That's an automatic yeah, call. Yeah, so I,
1: so I, so I shoved as well. It's
0: an automatic call. Uh,
1: and the guy to my left who was, I guess maybe might've been the button or, or, uh, maybe the small blind. I can't remember exactly which, but he, he went all in also with 10, eight offsuit but that's the way he was playing so that wasn't a big deal. So we're sitting there and I have the best hand. Uh, you know, I feel pretty good about it. What did it. the first show First had. guy had pocket queens, so you
0: had him dominate. Yeah,
1: so he was he thought he was going to win easily. Was shocked when I turned over the kings. The second position guy had ace king suited. Okay. Uh Turns out the flop is. And another guy called with 10 8. With ten eight, So four of you see the so flop. So we're four of us in the flop, and I have the best hand. Uh, but
0: you got to fade well, you know, the aces. i got to
1: fade the aces. you got to fade sure. the
0: aces, and with those cards out, that ten eight. in my opinion, yeah, his, his percentages him. go up a little higher because you guys have taken some of those cards, so there's a chance that he could coordinate a straight with that hand or catch. Uh, uh, a pair of tens on the board, or a pair of eights.
1: I'm, I have a
0: feeling that's the way this hand went.
1: <laughs> so when I say that this is the disaster's hand, uh, the flop is queen, jack, ten, rainbow. <laughs> so I'm I'm not leading anymore. One guy had flop the straight. But then the, are, and the queens.
0: Oh, no, but the one guy had the, uh, the, the Broadway, the ace-king. Yeah, so he uh, flops,
1: the, you're he flop, you're flops Broadway. Huge, you're I'm in a, huge trouble. I'm definitely in a huge trouble.
0: The best you could hope for probably is a tie and ace in the <laughs> board.
1: So, it comes, so then the, we go to the turn is another ten.
0: Queens full of tens. Queens
1: full of tens. So now I'm just down to I need a king or I'm
0: out. Right.
1: Uh it was a blank on the river, a six or something.
0: So you would have lost. You lost all three players.
1: I was last, actually, of the. That's of, what the I'm table. saying. You yeah. lost to the other yeah, three players. exactly.
0: Because one guy had a set, the other guy had a straight, and the other guy had the full house.
1: And I think, as it turned out, I had everybody covered, uh, so I had like 400 chips left or something. And it like doesn't that. matter once you lose and that hand. It was over on the next hand. Yeah, so. but
0: you know that when you have kings. Going in against three other opponents, even if it's... I mean, useless. there's really no
1: choice for me when I, before the first no, is No, 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 no.
0: I mean, I would assume you made your shoves uh, after the first guy.
1: Yeah. The other two called behind you. No, actually, uh, the ace-king called ahead, of, uh, shoved also ahead of
0: me. Still, in a charity tournament, yeah. you've got to
1: make that call. Yeah.
0: And you're hoping that that's it, that nobody else goes in with you. So this is
1: like less than an hour into the tournament, so... But you um,
0: do know that with four call- with three callers, pocket-kings... Uh, assuming no one has pocket aces, you know you're figuring one person's going to have an ace. You're 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 probably at around a little less than fifty percent to win the hand. Yeah.
1: Well, you know you got to make something happen too. So if I would have had that, then I've been then I would have enjoyed myself in the tournament. I'm sure, but um, you know it's the way it goes. Uh, another nice tournament, uh, great sponsors, and and Kevin, of course, and Ke- wife tables? Karen. Uh, I'm going to say about seven, maybe, something like that. That's not bad. Yeah, I think they did, uh, you know, and there was more people showing up. So uh, I guess they did about usual, about 80 players, something like that. And, uh, you know, they have a nice buffet for everything. No, I was out of there, and I'm headed over to Naples and going to a show. So, uh, you know, it was a nice day, though. And uh, I got a chance when I was over in uh, Naples to stop at the, uh, the dog track over there and talk to a few of their people. And they're doing pretty well there. They uh, they were fairly crowded Naples. on a Tuesday afternoon.
0: Naples is owned by the... Or Monday Magi-
1: afternoon, I should uh-huh. say. It's owned by Magic City. Magic City, right. Uh, it's in Bonita Springs. And uh, they were closed for about a month after the storm. Uh, they had a lot of water uh, flooding and water damage there. But uh, they're doing pretty well. And and I had, hadn't even realized that Seminole Casino Immokalee closed their poker room. Really? Yeah, they had uh, that would had been their major competition, so they were doing very well. And on a Monday afternoon, they had probably twelve or thirteen tables going. It was pretty crowded.
0: Nice in Naples. Very nice. Uh, And listen, uh, I like giving props out to people, and I wish I knew this person's name because I asked it, and I was just told at the time. Do you remember? You know, this is before the you know uh, the you know the handcuffs were taken off by the state for the paramutual, right? Do you remember that um, Magic City had the Ace King
1: suited? Yeah, I remember that, the which Ace was King's very suit. very successful. Yeah,
0: well, you know,
1: I, I big slick,
0: big, big slick, right? And it had to be suited, and that's the only way you could hit that jackpot. And they gave out quite a few hundred and eighty, two hundred thousand dollar jackpots, and they had wonderful backup jackpots. Well, I, I I wish I knew the gentleman's name, but whoever was the poker room manager in Naples at that time, is the person who came up with that idea. Oh wow. So, uh, Ileana would not tell me his name, just said it was uh, it was the manager. I know the GM
1: name. over there is Juan Fra, uh, used to be at Magic City. And uh, so, uh, I think the girl uh, that's running the room now, she wasn't there, but uh, her name is Cindy, I think. I don't know. She's the poker yeah. manager? Uh, and there was a fellow named Steve. uh, I mean, this has got to be going back at least
0: 12, 13 years, right? That's when they started that. But that's a pretty
1: nice situation. Naples and Fort Myers, there's money there. Uh, You really have no competition. They said their their biggest competition now is Sarasota, which is a good 90, 100 miles north of there. So that would be nice to run a room like that. That's a beautiful area over there. There's a lot of uh, money and a lot of nice...
0: Yeah, the nice part, I mean, be, beaches.
1: The best part of it is that you don't
0: have no competition for 90 miles. Yeah. Okay, I don't know how close the Seminole uh, Mockley was to them. About about 30 miles. Okay, so that would have been comp- uh That's yeah. competition. But apparently the people didn't want to take that ride for whatever reason a little further into, what, the center part of the state? Mm-hmm. From from Naples,
1: it's a little bit. Like uh, by it's a little bit east by there. Right? Uh, it's a little. It's probably about twenty miles north of of uh, Alligator Alley and about twenty miles east of Naples.
0: Okay, you know they have that. Which money. is in the middle
1: of nowhere, maybe.
0: You know that's <laughs> what, <laughs> what surprises me. You know, Dave, that uh, where we used to work at uh, now called Casino Miami, they have the property of Fort Pierce, and I always said that if that when that thing came through. That's a room that should do five, six hundred thousand with their eyes closed, yeah, and they were close to doing those numbers. I don't know what the hell's happened because uh, I
1: think they're only they, doing like 250: Yeah, they,
0: they, uh, I mean, they got rid of experienced people that were running that room, and you know, when you think about it, heading south, West Palm Beach was their closest competitor, which had to be a good 60, 65, 70 miles, and to the north was Melbourne. Another 50 or 60 miles. So I don't understand how they're how they're not doing the numbers that a place like Naples is doing, mm-hmm. you know, in a similar situation. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense.
1: Yeah, well, I don't know. Uh, you know, there's a uh, lot of opportunities and, and that sort of thing. But, uh, you know, not always run the right way. So uh, uh, I was happy to get a chance to talk to some really nice people over there in uh, Bonita Springs. And maybe we'll do something on the show with them one of these nights. Uh, a few other things I want to talk about. Uh, a little later on, we'll get to this article I, I pulled, uh, written by, uh, I don't even know who it was written by. I think Carlos Welch, maybe, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but tips on uh, helping you crush mixed games. Uh <laughs> I'd love to see what he says about yeah, that. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Because it's kind of a little little uh, one-note about mix each of the To games. make
0: sure you become very efficient at all those mix games.
1: Yeah, exactly. But it, uh, they give you five tips, one for each game, Raz, seven-card stud, uh, study 8 or better, Omaha it or better, yeah. and uh, do seven. You're going to
0: read girls. that later on the yeah, show. Yeah, we'll
1: uh, we'll discuss it a little later yeah, on. I'll I let you really look would in love well. to
0: know what he says about rash. Uh
1: The other thing I wanted to mention was I listened today a good friend of ours over in Israel, uh, Robbie Strazinsky, who has uh, now, and this is a guy who started off just basically as a poker fan. Uh, he living in Israel. He had his own blog called Card Player Lifestyle. Uh, has a tremendous amount of passion for the game. Very enthusiastic and has worked his way now into doing a podcast for PokerNews.com with a fellow named Bruce from uh, Salt Lake City. And uh, he had a very extensive interview with Daniel Negreanu about a year ago and has done some really nice stuff. And uh, this week, their, their podcast, they had John Hesp on for about a half hour, 45 minutes maybe even. And uh, Hesp, of course, uh, was the star of last year's uh, World Series of Poker with the multicolored jacket and the hat and the fellow from Britain. And it, it's kind of funny because really, uh, you know, when you think about World Series of Poker main events, you know, last year was John, the John Hesp show. The year before was the uh, Will Kasoof show. And I had forgot. I was just about to ask you his name because <laughs> I haven't heard his name mentioned since. But he, what a great guy and uh really interesting interview. And I want to just tell one little story about it. he talked about, you know, was really his first major score in the world of poker. He plays uh, home games over in uh, Britain. And because of the jacket and his great personality yeah, and the great a great run he went on, uh, he became a poker superstar, really. and uh, you Overnight. Know, a lot of people uh, really want to hear what he has to say. Uh, He told a funny story. He said he got a phone call when he was on about day five or something like that and and really making kind of a splash over in the main event. And he got a call, and and the fellow on the phone said, Hey, uh, John, this is Phil. And he goes, Phil? Phil who? He goes, Phil Helmuth. And so Phil called him up, and he said, Oh, okay. (laughs) And uh, he said, uh, Phil said, uh, I just wanted to call you because I wanted to see if you wanted to go out to dinner. He said, we're really pulling for you. It's a great show. You've, done, you've been a great poker ambassador. And uh, just want to see if you want to go out to dinner. So what does uh, Hesp say? He goes, I'd love to. I'd love to. Can you invite ne- Daniel Negreanu to come too? <laughs> 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 Which I'm sure Phil's face was just like he gave it the Donald Trump face, I'm sure. <laughs> but he said... Uh, well, I think Daniel's it's his soccer night, and he, he's not going to be able to make it. But eventually, uh, the magician uh, Antonio Esfandiari and Phil Locke joined them for dinner, and and it's just it, it just made me think. Boy, I mean, you think about Chris Moneymaker, and obviously, you know, we know guys now that are household names, uh, like uh, like uh, the fossil man Greg Raymer, uh, and even guys that. that I wouldn't say had tremendous personalities, but uh, you know Joe Cotta and Peter Eastgate, and and those names are, are people will will know forever.
0: Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, you know, to be honest with you, I don't think of of either one of those two. I think more of Joe Hashem,
1: Jamie Gold. You'll remember uh, Jamie Jay- Gold, Jerry Yang is going to someone Jerry Yang Joe and, and
0: you know, to, to, for full disclosure, we've had Jamie Gold and Jerry Yang here back to back weeks as a matter of yeah, fact. Yeah, that's right here. And Jerry Yang was just a complete delight to listen to. He was promoting his book at the time. You know, Jamie was nice to have on the show, but...
1: That's been interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I, listen, not I... Not the kind of guy I want to hang out with, I don't well, think.
0: Well, you know, I don't... Listen, <laughs> and please forgive me. I don't mean this to sound as bad as it's going to, but, you know, with Jerry Yang, I was, you know, listening to... The, you know, listening to his every word, I asked him about the move that he made on that one guy when it was Jacks against Queens, and he got the guy to fold the, the Queens. And I said, how the hell did you get this guy to fold? And, you know, Jerry said, oh, no, because I had played with him earlier, and I saw him lay down Kings, and I knew if I pressured him, blah 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 in case he had a better hand. It was a beautiful explanation, uh-huh. just a, you know, just a wonderful man to have on the show. I don't know how you felt but I,
1: I was, would like to go I back and really, listen to that show. I really, with you. really,
0: really enjoyed that 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 interview that you did with Jerry and the few questions I was able to ask him. And just listening to how he got out, just everything about that show was wonderful. Yeah. Then we had Jamie Gold, if I if I remember correctly, the week after, and he was here trying to promote the boat that he was doing uh, in the, the Palm Beach. Yeah. In Palm Beach and. And I don't know if it was just a preconceived notion of the man because of what happened after he won that they held his money, but you know I almost felt like I had to take a shower after <laughs> after, <laughs> after Jamie Gold was on the show. It was like, mm, you know this, you know I, I I grew up around people like that in New York, and you know you, you know what something is genuine, and when someone is trying to push a hard sale, and unfortunately for me, I felt Jamie Gold was just you know just.
1: There for his personal... uh... Yeah, he
0: could care less while Jerry Yang just seemed genuinely a a super nice guy. I think you still
1: have my uh, Jerry Yang book. I may. I may (laughs) still have it somewhere.
0: But I know that I enjoyed... You know, I was so excited back-to-back weeks having uh, main event winners on the show. You know, it's it's quite, you know, and to me, quite amazing to have that. I had that, you know, wonderful feeling. And after Jerry, I was like... Yeah, now I'm looking forward to you know see how how good Jamie Gold was, and unfortunately his personality on the phone came almost almost the same way it did on the show when he was going through his amazing run. It was just you know okay, I'm gonna need I'm gonna need a shower after <laughs> after this interview. So I don't know. Well,
1: but, looking forward to the World Series. We'll talk maybe a little bit later about the schedule and what's coming up. But uh, you know we've had some interesting. Uh, and I'm still working on trying to get Kui win on. uh kind of blew that opportunity but uh we'll see if we can at least get uh, the co-writer of his book uh, Stephen blay on i'm going to try to do that in the next couple of weeks so we'll see what happens uh let's take our first break in the show when we come back uh, interesting comment on twitter from scott blumstein i wanted to talk about that and uh what the future holds for uh this summer and uh you know his comment had to do with reminiscing about the good old days and I want to talk about that with Joe when we return. You're listening to Poker Action Line. We'll be right back. Uh, check us out all the time on SoundCloud, a good place to listen to the show. And we'll talk about a little later about other places you can get the show. But we hope you're with us every week here on Poker Action Line. We'll be back after these messages on the show. This is Poker Action Line. Thanks for asking, but I'd rather not send you nude pictures. I'm camera shy. I already said no. It's against my religion. I'm giving my dog a bath. You can have pictures of that. Pressure gives me hives. Under my clothes, I'm a robot. Hold on. Let me ask my mom. Sorry, my webcam is broken. I'm worried they'll get passed around school. Fortunately, I just had my clothes surgically attached to my body. If they got out, I might never be president. I'm already naked, under my clothes. Not even if you were all three Jonas Brothers. I have a rash. I have nudophobia. I have lizard skin. The more you ask, the less I want to. You're not the boss of me. Nudity makes me vomit. I'm a vampire, so I don't show up in pictures anyways. Your badgering has really killed the mood. When someone is pressuring you to do something you don't want to, how many ways can you say no before they get the message? Let us know at that'snotcool.com. Brought to you by the Ad Council.
0: WFO Radio NHRA Nitro is all about the NHRA Full Throttle Drag Racing Series. Join Joe at 7 p.m. Eastern each Tuesday night for the first edition of NHRA Nitro, featuring the NHRA's Alan Reinhardt. Race winners stop by to talk about bringing home the Wally. Every Tuesday night, following NHRA national events. NHRA Nitro is available on demand anytime on the WFO radio application and at WFORadio.com. Welcome
1: back to the show. Big Dave and Joe. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the old times. Now, of course, you can go back. Farther than most people. <laughs> uh, you know, you w- you were a, a classic veteran by the time the moneymaker effect came into view. You oh. were not only from playing, but for e- actually dealing and uh, managing poker. You started managing Miami Highland, I think, in 1998. 1997. No, I started 97. in 1997. Yeah, and uh, you started dealing at uh, Seminole Classic in ninety two.
0: No, right? Miccosukee in nin- Mik- it was either April 1st or 2nd of '92. Yeah.
1: Miccosukee, as I've said before
0: on the show, very proud to be one of the original 12 people that dealt poker the first night it was ever legal in the state of Florida. Uh, the Seminole Classic, which was just called the Seminoles back then, uh, started in, I believe, it was right around May of '94. So Miccosukee had exclusivity, not only in the state—I mean, not only in this area, but in the whole state. For two years, and then the Seminoles opened up, and they were the only two places, uh, well, Tampa, the the Seminoles in Tampa ran it also, um, until the Paramutuals got a license that effectively allowed them to open up on January 1st of 97, I'm sorry, October 1st of of 96 is when it took effect, and uh, I believe... Magic City opened up right away, and they were seasonal back then. I don't know if you remember that they would open for six months. And yeah, close because they for had, six months because there were three dog tracks. So the they would alert. close. They would close at the end of January. I mean, excuse me, at the end of November, and not re and then reopen again. I believe it was um, uh, May
1: first. Right, so, and they were only open with the poker room when they were doing the dogs.
0: Because the law, you know, that, that that would make for an interesting show because, you know, some of our new listeners have no idea as to what happened here in the state of Florida. It was a quarter-fifty-cent game where the pot could not exceed $10. And people go, well, what would the house rake? And I tell them, you're not going to believe this when I tell you this, but the house Sometimes, if the pot maxed out at $10, if you were lucky that the way the people folded and the way it bent and it came to exactly $10, the max that you could get into a pot, the actual rake would be 15%. $1.50. Yeah, it was $1. a $1.50 $1. per hand, whether there was $2 in the pot, whether there was $5, or whether there was $10 in the pot. It, because they would tell you, ante up, and everybody had to put up a quarter. And the dealer would collect those quarters and that was your rake for that hand. Oh, wow. So that was an incredible amount of money that they were taking. And uh trust me, as I used to tell everybody it was uh <laughs> you'll forgive my language, but it was mental
1: masturbation, that's what it was. Well it seems ridiculous. it seems totally there. ridiculous now after what we have, but uh people didn't seem to mind. They would show up and play and play because their, their there their was like n- maniacs. There was
0: nothing else. I'll tell you how desperate people were At the very first table that I was ever sent to, when they opened those doors at 6 o'clock, and again, I don't remember if it was April 1st or 2nd of of 92, but the people already lined up. They ran to the table, and they would only sit 6 because we were dealing 7-card stud, Dave, and I started laughing so hard about 30 seconds after they sat down. I mean, I literally had tears coming down my face because the first guy sits down, he goes, give me 2000 Second guy pulls out five thousand and it's two thousand, one thousand, three thousand. Yeah, I must have had easily, easily fourteen, thirteen or fourteen thousand between the six players.
1: And they're playing and, ten dollar
0: But so. they did well see, here was the thing. I go, gentlemen, I don't know how to explain this to you. Oh, and here wait, wait. The closest guy lived in Boca. Okay, three guys came from West Palm Beach. One came from Del Rey, and the other one came from Boca. Okay, so the Boca guy was the closest guy that that lived to my, to Miccosukee. That's how desperate and how much they wanted to play poker. That's got to be they, a 100-mile drive. They heard, they heard that it was a $10 game. And I said, yes, gentlemen, you're right. This is a $10 game. The pot cannot exceed $10. They all, like, thank God they were in a great mood. They laughed their asses off. One guy goes, "I can't effing believe I drove all the way from West Palm Beach to play in a quarter 50 cent game." They all sat down and played. I don't know how they did that cuz I dealt the game. I love poker. I played a lot of poker at that time in private games. I couldn't I could never sit down and play that game. Never ever sit down and play that game. It just it it it, it had no interest. And I'm going to give you another thing, Dave. You want to go back to history? Okay. Dealers, we weren't making a whole lot there. Now, two years later when we moved over to the Seminoles, and I was a, that's when I first became a supervisor, when Jeff Ward made me a supervisor. But dealers were making unbelievable money. And I took my first trip ever to Vegas. So I sit down, MGM had a poker room at that time. Then they didn't have one for many years, and I know they have one now again. But I sit down to play. And I'm dealing. I mean, I'm playing there. They see me playing with the chips. So people are like, oh, you know, you're you in the business. And the dealer who's dealing, right, is getting tipped literally a quarter because they were raking to the quarter. So they actually had real quarters on the table that they would use to rake 225, two, you know, 275. You know, and I had never seen anything like this. And this poor man dealing. You know, we were playing. Back then, I think I was playing a 3-6 a, a, a uh, Hold'em, okay? No Limit really wasn't big yet. So I'm playing 3-6 Hold'em. He's playing in a real cash game, getting tipped a quarter here and there. So when they finally ask me, Dave, I say, yeah, I'm from Florida. I'm a, I'm a supervisor. I was a dealer for two years. And the, the, the guy sitting next to me goes, Oh my God, he goes, that's that Mickey Mouse poker that you guys play in Florida. The pot can't exceed $10. So the dealer stops. He goes, What are you kidding? Me? He goes, Is that true? And I go, Yes, sir. He goes, It's a quarter 50 cent game in the pot. If there's $9 and five players, they can't, the betting is done because the minimum you can bet is 50 cents and they calculate it. So the guy goes, Oh my God, he goes, How the hell do dealers make any kind of money there? And I said, well, I'm going to tell you something. He goes, my, they were just starting to deal Hold'em at that time. I said, my Hold'em pit dealers, which are the most attractive girls that we had, and up, besides being outstanding poker dealers and good-looking guys, you know, our top-notch dealers were in that pit. I go, they don't go home with less than 160, 170. Dave, I have never seen this another human being react like this. He looked at me. He goes, you're lying. I go, no. And the guys who, do, who deal in the seven card stud are bringing home ninety to a hundred bucks. You know, this man literally started to shake on the table. And he said, you know, This is a different place. He goes, I'm dealing in a real freaking game here. And, and everybody just stopped and looked at him. This guy just went off. And I can't freaking make forty dollars for my family dealing here. These people are dealing a Mickey Mouse game and making a hundred dollars and a hundred and fifty and the. And, I mean, he went on for about three, four minutes before a supervisor came over with another dealer, tapped him out and said, listen, I need to talk to you. And he's going, this is effing bullshit, blah, blah, blah. He he did not, I, I just stood there with my mouth wide open going, what the hell have I gotten into, you know? I, this was actually my first time sitting in a casino playing poker. Right. So I had been playing in all these private games here and in New Jersey when I was growing up. So I don't I don't think I had ever, because before, when I moved down here, Atlantic City didn't have any poker. Right. So that was my first experience at a poker table after about 10 minutes of sitting down.
1: Okay. Well, let's take another break on the show. We'll come back. I want to go to the next segment, and then we'll, we'll have a couple of memories uh, before we get to this other uh, article I wanted to mention. But, uh Uh, Things have changed, things are are real here now, and uh, the Seminole Hard Rock uh, hosting the Seminole Showdown in April. We just finished up the battle at the beaches, which I'll mention the winner of that when we return. Uh, You're listening to Poker Action Line as we uh, take a walk down memory lane a little bit here tonight. Uh, We hope you enjoy the show and continue to join us every week here. You can get us. On our website, PokerActionLine.com, pick us up on iTunes. You can go to the PokerFuse podcast page, pick us up on Hold'em Radio Network, uh, Hold'emRadio.com, or uh, numerous other places where you get your podcast. Stitcher, SoundCloud, man, many others. So uh, uh, we hope you stick around tonight and listen a little bit more. We'll be back after these messages on the show. This is Poker Action Line. odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the play for free demonstration and hope that you will join us. And the play for real game becomes available later this year. I always wanted to be a fireman. A pilot. A teacher. But the rising cost of college
0: was a big reality check. That's why I joined the National Guard.
1: The Guard gives me money for college. So I can go to school full-time and fly part-time. My unit helps out after a natural disaster hit. So I get to help people just like I always wanted. There's no bigger rush than being a firefighter in the Guard. Than flying a Black Hawk. Than leading my squad. Thanks to the Guard, I'm becoming who I always wanted to be. Call 1-800-GO-GUARD and ask us how
0: much you'll receive towards your college expenses.
1: Welcome back to the show. Big Dave and Joe talking uh, old times. And uh, Joe has been uh, poker room manager at uh, Miami High Live for many years. Uh, Left there, went back, left there again. Gone on to do some other dealing at Dania and uh, working a few other places. But uh, I guess your claim to fame is probably training maybe several hundred uh, poker dealers. Over
0: 350. I started doing the numbers. I did over 350. I've already done.
1: Uh, Anyway. the poker started at the Paramutuals uh in 97 which is only 20 years ago. Yep. Uh and for a long time we had this Mickey Mouse quarter 50 cent game with a $10 pot limit. When did it change to uh people were able to buy in for I think for $100. This was about 2006 or 6 buy. or
0: it was 6 or 7 if I'm not mistaken. Because it was 2 or 3 years be What happened is I think it was 2006 they went to 50 cent a dollar no pot restrictions. Maximum buy in of a hundred dollars, okay then the next progressive stop that they did was they allowed they allowed no limit, but with the blinds no higher than one two or two straight and like in the stud you know like in no the, limits on the pot. right limits limits you could have played a two straight and then a one two no limit with also a hundred dollar
1: max. Wasn't my. there something where players would decide to when they sat down to go all in on the first five hands? So well, listen, so the
0: game could get money in. That was the, the, the talk. And um, <laughs> I don't know. All I know is that one day I walked into my room, uh, probably about 5, 6 o'clock at night, and I look at a table, and there is quite a bit of money on that table right now. So I just look at one of my supervisors on the floor and I won't mention the name. I said, uh, Wow, well, you must have had a lot of people go through this table And he looks at me and he goes, Why? And I said, Well, you know, I'm I'm counting, you know, we're playing a one two game here and I'm counting, you know, nine players sitting down, a tenth wanted to sit down, but I wouldn't allow it. I said, No, 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 let's get another table going. I said, Nine players they all got at least three, four thousand in front of them, so there's almost forty thousand dollars, you know, thirty to forty thousand dollars on that table. I go, "You, yeah, you mind explaining to me how that happened?" And he just, you know, didn't know where to put his face. And finally, I said, "Listen, think very hard before you lie to me, because I've been doing this for at least 15, 20 years more than you have." And then, he, you know, he, he stopped down and he goes, yeah, they bought in for the 100. Then they'd come up to the podium by another 100, by another 100, by 200. And, you know, they were sneaking it onto the table. And since everybody wanted to play for the higher limits, they didn't care. Yeah. And this was going on in every poker room. Yeah, I do sure it is. i do not care. Well, I listen. I checked around town. Nobody was going to admit that, you know, and and I wouldn't have admitted it either but uh you know people at that time were you know finding ways to get around that and being that uh everybody from the dealers to the staff members were being taken care of very nicely by most of these people you know it it was kind of a uh, wink wink look the other way type of scenario you know and um you know the state, the state at the time. You know none of their, none of their, none of their people who knew knew much about poker. Uh, you know, so they couldn't walk in there and take a look at this and go, wait a minute, this doesn't make any sense.
1: Yeah. So anyway, it was another five years before we were able to start having real tournaments. Uh, well,
0: it like I said, it was that was at the fifty cent dollar. Then it then it did a small up push to the dollar two in two thousand seven. And then finally,
1: the handcuffs in
0: 2010. The handcuffs were taken off in July of 2010. Yeah, exactly. Remember, we started our show in March of 2010. Yes. I went right back to work in the first week of July of 2010. Yeah. Uh,
1: when you look back and, and, you know, the early days, which is ridiculous, but you still, I'm sure, had a lot of fun things and a lot of characters. What do you look back now and, and things that you loved about the game back then that you miss now?
0: Are you talking about as a manager well, yeah, or as a player? Just as both. Both, me Well, listen, I like, and, you know, unfortunately, it's been a long time because of different scenarios and being the manager. But for me, Dave, I enjoyed, it was like my night out. You know, I remember being in my early 20s before I was married, going to clubs and doing what everybody does in clubs and enjoying themselves and trying to pick up women and having fun. And you know that was my night out with my boys, trying to you know trying to meet somebody, hook up with somebody, and it was fun once I got married, started a family, poker night was that for me, yeah, you know i like I like the characters listen if if I never enjoyed a game and I've been at, unfortunately, not a lot of them, but a few of them where you had some very nasty and aggressive people. That almost took it like, like if you were in a bar, like like if they were drinking in a bar fight and looking for just a fight. And that would be my last night to ever play there. I usually would leave early. Uh, you know, I handpicked where I went uh, because obviously you didn't want to get, you didn't want the game to get raided. I wanted to make sure I knew everybody there because games that get raided is when you don't know somebody at the game. And the person who brought him just met him two weeks earlier, you know you you may be getting an undercover cop trying to set up first thing scenario yeah and um so I never wanted that because I could never work in the in the casino in the legal casino industry, but for me as a player, Dave, I love the challenge you know you, you drank at these private games they usually had a very good spread, they had alcohol you know it it, it Besides me, it was a, it was an extra source of income, especially for me at that time. But I, you know, I also blew off a lot of steam. I loved the challenges. I love, be honest with you, I love when the better players, some of the better players, because back then the better players were, were they were what they'd be called nits today. You know, the, all they played was premium hands. So the young people weren't smart enough to know to get out of their way. You know, when they kept putting pressure on you okay and i knew that if i made a raise and they raised me back it was very easy even though i had the second best hand to throw my cards away because they would not be making that that kind of right. a move unless they had the best hand but if i represented the best hand i could get them off of a very good hand so it was it was wonderful for me to be honest with you i was i was able to read my opponents really well at that time um you know it wasn't the craziness that we have now, but, you know, at at some games, the, the Tuesday night, I remember my Tuesday night game, I used to make, I called it my, my second paycheck, because I used to make between four and $700 a night there, and then I played also on Thursdays and on Thursday nights, um, where that game was a little tougher, a little higher limit, uh, but, you know, on average, I probably was making on a good night there, you could make over 1,500, 2,000 at that time. And remember, we weren't playing these were limit games at that time, right? So that was really, really good. And then, as a manager, Dave, I, what I really missed from those first days was the excitement in the air that everybody had. you know, and I knew that once that started, private games were going to kind of die off, you know, in the area. It, it took a while. I will admit it took quite a while I thought it was going to be a lot a quicker procession to it but um, you know the games did start to dry up because people didn't have to go to somebody's house they could go to the casino you know and the fun kind of and that's the aspect from playing the private games kind of really dried up quick for me so that was a uh, it was a as I said earlier double edged sword it was great for me business wise having the casino getting busy but on the personal side, I kind of lost out on what I used to have as my social night out. Yeah. yeah. So, uh,
1: Well, the thing that kind of set this all off for me today was an article I, I saw in Poker News that talked about a tweet from Scott Blumstein, who uh, enters uh, this World Series of Poker as the defending champion of the main event. Uh, a pretty young guy, probably early 30s, I would guess, maybe somewhere around there. And uh, his tweet was, uh, he said, I know it's cliche, but I really wish I could take a trip back to when I first fell in love with poker. I used to live for the five-hour trip up to Turning Stone, which is in New York, just so I could get to play one-two in a casino. I was a young fanboy who loved the game and the characters it created. Uh, So I'm sure when you think back a your time, which is extensively longer than that, the characters... Have to stand out for you
0: oh my god it's incredible it's incredible i mean i could literally write a book about all the different characters stories you know things that you think is folklore you know it can't possibly be true uh you know and 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 until i saw it firsthand with my own eyes i couldn't believe it you know um i go back a long way i mean my my father-in-law ran a game that would start at eight o'clock on fridays and the game sometimes i was getting up for to go to work you know monday morning at eight you know leaving the house at six seven in the morning and these people were still playing poker my mother-in-law would cook round the clock practically uh People would actually fall asleep in uh, in the base, and like, like he had a uh, looked like an apartment, which later it was turned into in New Jersey. And people would go over the couch they and would, sit out. For they a would pass bit. out. He had a shower, bathroom and a shower. Some guys brought a change of clothes. Some guys would nap for six hours. And here was the amazing part because I don't recall other than my very early days of playing with cash, you know. But these gentlemen played with nothing. The only bills that were on that table were 20s, hundreds and 50s. And I kid you not. my father-in-law could take as much as 30 and 40 dollars out of a pot if it got up to four, five, six, thousand dollars. Now granted they were drinking the best whiskey. Uh, like I said, my mother-in-law was cooking around the clock practically for them, but on one of those long weekends. My father-in-law could easily bring in twenty-five, thirty thousand dollars 30000 Wow. That's amazing. Okay. That was when I realized, oh, sh- shoot. <laughs> I've been playing in Penny ante games compared to this. And these guys, some of them would be there looking like you and I look right now, while others were there in a suit and a tie. And I was like, oh, good Lord. And to be honest with you, the youngest guy, I mean, at that time I was in my, my mid-20s, Youngest guy had to be our age now. That was the baby of the group. You know, somebody in his mid mid fifties. That was that was the baby of the group.
1: Serious money, but they were still having fun. Not like N- we not were. Wrong. No, no. This was. This this with I'm
0: telling you, Dave. I was seeing stacks that were probably a, almost a foot high of hundred dollar bills. Uh, you know. 50s that were about half a foot 20 i mean everybody's stack obviously was different but my god for you to take that kind of money out over four to eight, three and again sometimes that game usually when i got home late monday night the game was over but when he some nights some sometimes it would run all the way into tuesday night from starting at eight o'clock on friday Wow, and that's incredible. Oh, unbelievable. Now, granted, you have to obviously have other players come in because no one's going to be able to go that long. But like I said, some of these guys would go home, nap for eight hours, and come back. And, you know, I never believed that because when I played in college, a little bit late in high school, and then college is when I really started to play in private games. Uh used to have them at my house all the time. We used to play in our basement uh, downstairs. I remember one night it, it snowed. An unexpected snowstorm came. We didn't even know it until the game broke at about 7 in the morning when I tried to open the door, and I couldn't open the door, and I go, what the, <laughs> the hell going on? When I opened the curtain, you know, we were sitting with snow drifts of 3, 4 feet. So it took like three of us to push the door open. And, you know, here, here's a nice little story. We decided to go to a diner for breakfast, and from the diner, even though we had been up for about nine ten eleven hours playing poker uh the only difference was for some reason we really weren't into drinking at that time. We didn't have much to drink, but we took the two hour drive to Atlantic City and continued our night of of wow. uh,
1: our day of gambling so <laughs> great stuff uh of course, this article more more focuses on uh, you know after the money maker effect and people start playing online all the time and all the the, the different games uh, at the small smaller casinos bigger casinos as well but uh they talk about some different aspects that they miss about uh, life and i would suggest checking that out it's in a section on poker news called the muck and uh I very interesting story uh, neil Blumenfield uh, responded he said uh he said, when I started playing in Las Vegas, it was at the Stardust, the only place you could find a game, which was low-limit, seven-card stud. It was an old-world mafia-run casino, like in the movie Casino or the Cooler. Low ceilings, thick smoke. Very few casinos even had a poker room at that time. Dave, in 94,
0: I used to smoke on the floor as a supervisor on the Seminoles. I'm telling you, I would wake my wife up from a sound sleep when I walked in because the smell of cigarette was so strong. I mean, besides me smoking, everybody around us was I'm surprised dealers didn't have iron lung disease, you know, from all the smoke, you know, not to make the fun of that, but it was nonstop, you know, until now that mo- I almost I think almost every poker room is smoke-free. And, Dave, you know what I think is the biggest difference, and I'd love to make this real quick, is the joy that people took, in those games as neil said it was a low limit game so even though you had a few grinders that were trying to make a living out of it trying to make 100 bucks a day they had you could tell who they were they were they almost felt lifeless like they had no fun no soul it wasn't an enjoyable game right. i didn't play it to make money at that point i played it for the excitement and the fun and i think that's what you know everybody's first story if you fall in love with poker it has to fall along those lines where you had so much fun, as Scott said, five hour. You know what that is? A five hour drive. I used to take a two hour drive to Atlantic City before poker to gamble down there, and I was like a little kid going to a candy store. Couldn't, oh, you know, I can't wait to get to Atlantic City. You have to have that joy to continue to play yeah. this game.
1: Now we got one around every corner, and. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's the question I want to get into when we come back and close things out. Uh, I don't know if we'll get to the mixed games. We'll save that for next week. Uh, but when I come back, uh, we'll, have, we'll find out, have we lost it? Have we lost the fun and enjoyment of this game? And I uh, hang on to gre- that.
0: I, That's a great think, question. Think about
1: that during the break. We'll talk about that on the other side. You're listening to Poker Action Line, and we'll be back to finish out tonight's show when we return.
0: This is Poker Action Line.
1: The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean. You can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. The odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. Final segment of the program. Uh, before we get back to our discussion on the good old days, uh, just a couple of uh, news and notes here. Uh, the Isle Casino finished up earlier this week, and uh, great story here uh, because the same fella who won last year's tournament, won this year's, the Battle at the Beach Main Event. A fellow named Yuri Kadosh uh, won last year's uh, 478 play, 482 players last year, and uh, this year there was a, few, a little bit less, 433 was the total, but he wins two years in a row, which is pretty outstanding. Uh, some uh, big-name players uh, played from down here, Lonnie Harwood, Josh Beckley, uh, Ryan D'Angelo, Brian Hastings, Ian O'Hara, some of the players there, some of the other cashers, uh, Daryl Jace, who uh, won a big tournament there last year, uh, finished 37th. Uh, final table, uh, Jake Schwartz finished in third place. Marshall White was the second-place finisher. I should mention him, although I do not know him. But uh, Kadash, actually, there was a two-way chop at the end. Kadash wins 98,000. And uh, some of the final tablers, T.J. Shulman uh, finished 10th. Lonnie Harwood was 9th. Bill Farnan was 7th. And Josh Kay was fourth. So uh, that was at the Isle this week as they finish up the battles at the beaches. Um, Definitely uh, numbers going down there all the time, it seems. Uh, We'll see what happens with that one. But uh, uh, the Seminole Hard Rock preparing for a big tournament there. Uh, The Seminole Hard Rock Showdown, which starts on uh, tomorrow. No, not tomorrow. A week from tomorrow, on uh, April the 5th. And the main event begins on the 13th of April. Uh, Day 1A is Friday, April 13th at 11 a.m., Saturday uh, the the 14th at 11 a.m., $3,500 buy-in for the main final table being streamed Wednesday, April 18th, and uh, shot for the TV show later on. Also some other big tournaments, including a WPT Deep Stacks that was originally scheduled for September at uh, Seminole Immokalee, and they will replay that here, and also some Several other events, including Omaha 8 or better, and uh, some nice tournaments. The first tournament starts on uh, the 5th of April. It's a Thursday, a week from Thursday, as I mentioned, with six opening sessions Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, 11 and 6 p.m. Let's finish things up then uh, on the show here. And uh, the question was now that things have changed so much, I mean, there's so much more money to be made, you can make yourself a millionaire. In uh, quick fashion, in a lot of different tournaments all over the country, not just the World Series of Poker, not just the WPT uh, tour, but several other places where you can win hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, you know, players getting into the game, a lot of them are ridiculed, and and it's become fairly cutthroat as you learn the game. Have we lost the fun of poker, and is it still? Are there still places where you can find it?
0: Well. To
1: answer the first
0: part of that question is unfortunately from my point of view, uh, over the last year that I was back to, to dealing and being on the table, uh, yeah, I would say a, a, a large percentage of the fun has gone out. It's you don't see you don't see the people, you know, making it like a casual game anymore, Dave. It's there and I'm not just talking about the high limit games where people are sitting down and Five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars, which is obviously serious money. But I'm even talking about the one-two no limit, even some of the limit games, because they're either chasing a high hand, so they hate when someone actually plays their poker hand, and it costs them more money to chase a high hand. So that used to be the most fun game around. You know, people were just there to have fun. No, these people are there to, to risk the absolute minimum to try to make the maximum. The one-two games, you would think these people have got 100, 200 in front of them, Dave. You'd think they were playing for 10000 The insults, the snide remarks that are being made at the table, this is just, and it's not only just in the live cash games. You know, we dealt the games, the tournament players, when you have them, when some of these places say that people don't want to grow, you know, obviously we've addressed this here on the show about people being treated disrespectfully, mostly women and some of the novice players, but you know, even people who, who've been playing for a long time, they they happen to make a hunch call and the insults keep coming in. I remember me trying to calm them down on the table. Some dealers just don't have the fortitude to do that. And I could see it in their faces. When you're playing strictly for the cash, there's no fun. There's absolutely no fun. And you want to bring it back? Well, um, it was Matt uh, down in California who did the uh, no... Matt Savage. Matt Savage, excuse me, Matt. Matt Savage who did something like that. I honestly believe you have to bring this game back 20 years. You have to bring it back before technology. You know, you've got to make the people communicate with each other on the table like they used to. No headsets, No no nothing, you know if you can't have fun playing at the poker table without watching your phone, watching a movie or doing this, that you have no disinterest, you're like a robot looking at your cards and when you get two decent cards that you think you can play, you stop, and when you don't you keep throwing away and you could care less what the two people sitting next to you or anyone else at the table has to say. That's the only way you're gonna bring back this fun. You know, that's the reason Scott went back then and he's a lot younger, but Neil is in our age group, you know, close to our age group. That's how you did it, and you started bullshitting. And I'll be honest with you, Dave, I don't know if you played enough back then, but some of the comments that I hear, that I've heard at the table, man, you had opened, you had said that to somebody 20, 25, 30 years ago. You were lucky if you weren't put on your ass. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, you know, you'd be missing a few teeth, a broken nose, you know, you, you just couldn't talk to the people the way I hear people talk now in a game that's got, you know, less than $100 in the pot. It's just amazing.
1: Is it the job of the poker director, the tournament director, the floor manager to try to create an atmosphere of fun at their place? It's, it starts
0: with the director making sure that everybody... Or is that down, impossible now? I don't want to say it's impossible, you could control what people say in the sense of, you know, next time you're out and you throw them out for the day, they do a second offense, you throw them out for a week, depending on how how habitual these people continue to do this, you just bar them from playing there. But that doesn't mean they won't go to the next casino down the down the road, you know. Uh, but even getting rid of this, it's 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 you know, <laughs> it's, it's like you kill you kill one cockroach, there's 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 a thousand more behind them. You know, and you didn't see that in, in in my day, you know, I I still remember one person that was like that in a private game, and he put it this way, he's lucky he's still breathing today, and I can't get into that story, but he has no idea who he spoke very disrespectfully to, and if it wasn't for somebody else there... That man would not have seen the next morning. Wow. Trust, trust me when I tell you that he would not have seen the next morning. <laughs> Somebody calmed this other person down like I never thought they could. And, you know, that's when I was dealing in these games. Um, that wasn't one of more of the funner games that I was talking to you about. But, but like I said, the best you could do is try to have a quiet. Right now, Dave, what a fun room is, is a quiet room. You know, where no one says much to each other. Now, a quiet room is not usually a very fun room. You know, you want to have some laughter. You want people going, oh, you know. Yeah, you'll see it every now and then on a certain thing in the tournaments. But people come over. There's no respect for the rules right now, Dave, of not talking about your hand, of not talking. The biggest problem in South Florida, as you well know, is people speaking a different language right 90 percent of it was spanish now you've also got russian uh hebrew uh creole you, you know we are a melting pot down here you know the the the, the big complaint was you know all oh, everybody's speaking spanish on the table well now you know you've got a couple other of a couple other languages that are being spoken at the table and it's so hard I'm telling you it is so hard without you setting such a, a strict, you know, uh, plan of of a of, of show of force of just your barred, you're barred, your barred, your barred and you know what? If you're if your if your competition doesn't do the same, all you've done is drive customers away from your table and if you keep them there, you're driving other customers away. So it's a very delicate situation that we have to do here, right. and, and in essence, you really have to get rid of these people. The other people will eventually come back into your room. Yeah.
1: Well, we've run out of time. Uh, it's kind of fun to, and this was a very quick hour as we uh, zipped through it, yeah, uh, talking it about some of these things. Uh, by the way, WPT currently. Uh, Uh, on a bit of a a hiatus for about a month or so. They finished up Rolling Thunder in early March, and they're headed here for the Seminole Hard Rock. It's also going to be simultaneously a tournament over in Amsterdam, and then they'll finish out the season in Vegas, the Bellagio and the Bobby Baldwin Classic at the Aria. So we'll be keeping an eye on some of that in the next few weeks. The uh, WSOP Circuit just finished up in Tulsa, the Hard Rock in Tulsa. And uh, they are now playing in at Planet Hollywood out in Vegas. And uh, we will keep an eye on some of that stuff. Also, a few uh, WPT Deep Stacks events uh, in between the interim before they get here to South Florida. So we'll look at all those results and a few things next week, talk about a few things that are going on. I want to get to this uh, um, five tips on crushing mixed games. Uh, kind of an interesting article. We'll talk about some of that hopefully next week. Uh, also working on a couple of guests over the next few weeks, so we'll get to that as well. Joe, thank you, uh, as usual. Gio, thanks Geo. for And uh, we'll catch you on next week's show. Uh, had some fun, and uh, we'll keep working on keeping it fun. That's it. Got to. Anyway, <laughs> Absolutely. Hope you'll follow the show. We'll catch you next week in another edition of Poker Action Line.